It's 101.9 The Mix. It's McCabe and Jenny from the Afternoon Mix, and we are backstage at the Vic Theater with Noah Khan. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for coming out, guys, and giving me the time of day. So when did you get to Chicago? About an hour ago. I just landed. Uh, flew in from Boston here in Chicago, shaking off the remnants of the flight and getting ready for the show. So is tonight going to be like a practice set before you take the stage tomorrow at Lala, or is it going to be something completely different? How do you kind of um, manage the both? I think tonight's going to be like we're treating it like as, as you know every show to me is like as important as the next just because you know nowadays it's hard to get concert tickets and it's hard to kind of make time and so I want to give people the best experience possible every time I play. Uh, so we're going to give it our all tonight and then we're going to give it our all tomorrow and we're going to play a lot of songs from the new record and some songs from the older record and um, yeah going to just try to get after it. And I feel like you do give your fans the best experience possible because you always draw in such huge crowds. What's like some of the craziest things you've witnessed in the crowds, like from fans? Oh, um, <laughs> I referred to myself as daddy on Twitter a couple <laughs> months ago, and that's really taken off. So a lot of daddy signs, stuff like that. Somebody made a really, really the, the Ken doll that looked exactly like me, like. <laughs> Like to with the, the point hair of it, and everything. Yeah, yeah. It looked like almost like to the point of like voodoo vibes. Ooh. So we've been careful about what we do with that doll now. Kind of treat it nicely. <laughs> yeah, I'm not definitely. Trying to get any, any injuries? Um, yeah, the fans are incredibly passionate. Oh, the craziest thing was we were in Cleveland and we were playing at this place that was kind of there was like an amphitheater on the water and some people couldn't get tickets and so these two guys bought a motorboat so they could watch the show. Oh which I thought was really cool. That's so the way guys, to do it. Yeah, these guys like motorboated up and they're like, we bought a boat for the show. And that was pretty cool. Pretty like reckless financial decision making, I think. But I was incredibly uh, honored. So that was cool. Well, we are glad you made it here today. And I mean, you have played such amazing venues so far, big uh, festivals as well. But I mean, looking back and growing up in Vermont, like was there just like a crappy venue you played or show that like when you first started, maybe people were just drinking their beers and really not paying attention? Yeah, I probably did like 100 shows like that. <laughs> like I would do open mics like three times a week. My first gig was at a gelato shop, and they paid me in gelato. Keep in mind, I am lactose intolerant, so <laughs> I gave it to a homeless guy. Um, and uh, yeah, that was like a moment where I was just happy to get a chance to play somewhere. I know everyone says that, but like I was – you know, I was – Every time I stepped on stage at an open mic, it was for three people, like the open mic host, my mom. Like for me, it was like playing the Greek theater. It was like playing oh, yeah. Wrigley Field. Like it was, it was as, um, it was just the biggest thing that I was doing at that time. And it felt like huge to me. And every time I, I got up and I would pretend that there were thousands of people singing and now there are. And now there are. Yeah. We can cool. see them. They're outside <laughs> lined up like around the Vic theater. I know. And like in my head, I'm like, I still treat every show. Like I'm just getting on the open mic stage and I need to like get one person to stop eating and look up for a second. And that's like <laughs> how I treat every performance. Well, you've come such a long way and your album stick season leans more folk than you've ever had before. Hmm. How did your fans react when you kind of weaned off the pop and went to the folk genre? Uh, they were incredibly supportive of it. Like my fans, I think are, really really smart and are really discerning and like they live for good lyrics and they live for storytelling and i think uh that's always been something i've i've endeavored to put into my songwriting you know when i was making stuff with more poppy production like i was still trying to do that and so i think hearing that translate into the more folky like sonic um they were able to pick up on that and they supported it all the way and they gave me the grace of like having time to try something new and i'm incredibly grateful for their support especially when i was you know trying to figure it out and taking time to really dedicate months and months to making these songs. And they gave me that space and they were very patient. And um, I'm just super grateful for my fans. I, I think I'm the best fans in the world. 
Well, you do, and to get, get into your songwriting, it's kind of like a two-part question, but kind of take us back to what was going on when you wrote Dial Drunk. Like, I mean, where were you? What was going on in your life? And then how the collaboration with Post Malone. Like, So first the original yeah, song, yeah. and then how you guys all came together. Yeah. Um, early on, like, at Stick Season, I come out like two weeks before. I was like, i got to make this deluxe. Ver- I'm going to make a deluxe version. Like, I'm never f***ing leaving. Kind of like Wolf of Wall Street kind of moment where yeah. I was like, I'm on top of the world. Like, Let's go. And <laughs> And then I was like, oh, no, I'm like, I don't want, I have any songs. Like, I'm so busy. I was stressed. I was kind of going on and off um, antidepressants. And so I was going a little crazy. And I was kind of putting all this pressure on myself. And, you know, I was home for like a week between tours. And I just went over to my guitar player, Noah Levine's house in Boston um, with a banjo, like without a case, just like in an Uber with a banjo and had a little line and a lyric that I come up with and. We just start writing because it was just fun. It didn't feel like, you know, I'm writing for the deluxe version or like, you know, this has to be a big song. I'm writing in L.A. I was, you know, 20 minutes from my house in Boston and we started writing a song and I wrote, you know, the bones of the song and um, and kind of kept coming back to it after a few months, like just playing around with it. And I was thinking about the deluxe and playing through the repertoire of songs I'd written um, and that one kept sticking around. And when we got to the studio and recorded it and kind of gave it this like weird punk country feel to mm-hmm. it. It like really stuck stuck uh stuck out as a single. Um and I had kind of cold DM post Malone um <laughs> about it. I was like, hey, like I can love you. Like I have a song that I think you might really like and you know months went by and uh he responded one day like one random morning. I thought it was like a post Malone Brazil or some like fake <laughs> account. And he was just like, hey I think he called me daddy. He was like, hey daddy, I love this song. Like you're the man like I would love can do this and like we kind of started getting the ball rolling from there and um it was really cool to be able to have someone that i really envisioned being on the song actually do it now did he know that you covered his song congratulations at that point like did you use that as leverage like hey i sing your song hey man i got you by the balls i made a cover of your song years ago in a church um no i don't think he knew like uh he he seems like the kind of person that really just leads with his heart and like does what he thinks is cool and and just sees every artist as an equal and anyone creating art as an equal to him and I thought that was really inspiring and I felt like he could have had every opportunity to like you know treat this as like a, co- a typical collab where you clock in and clock out but I really felt like he dedicated a lot of his time and passion to it and was um, just really kind to me throughout the process and uh yeah, that was all confirmed. I, I saw him in Boston. I went to, to his show in Boston. I came out for this to play Dial Drunk with him and got a chance to hang with him. And like, it was pretty cool. We like drank Bud Lights and smoked cigarettes and talked about adult diapers. And it was <laughs> just a hell of a night. So he's just an amazing guy, and it's been a really cool process. So I can't believe like you literally you sent the DM. Like you didn't, you guys didn't know each other beforehand. It wasn't like label people calling each other. It was you sent a DM, and this kind of happened from no, it. No, I was just like, oh, like maybe there's some. I mean, there's label connections. Like yeah, he's at of Mercury, um, but. You know, like there's a tons of people at uh, different labels that, you know, n- might never collab with each other. And I didn't want to have to rely too heavily on that. I just shot him a text or shot him a DM. And then like he listened to the song and then we started getting the label involved and getting managers involved and stuff. So it was a really cool process that it can happen like that. You know, it's, sometimes it's that simple. It's just, you know, shooting your shot. Yeah. See me keep sliding those DMs. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, from uh, the socials, it looks like you guys kind of have like a little bromance going on. I mean, you guys are getting along pretty well. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think that's a way, a good way to describe it. I, I, I certainly have a bromance with him. I, if he has one with me, <laughs> it's yet to be foretold, but I, it was so natural hanging out with him. We were talking about that movie, walk hard, that movie, that the Dewey Cox yeah. story, one of the greatest comedies ever. And, we, I think we have a lot in common. He just loves talking shit, laughing, drinking beer, and so do I. So 
you know, hopefully we can do it again and hang for longer next time. Well, I cannot wait to see you put it all out there tomorrow at Lollapalooza. What are you looking forward to the most? Um, I think I'm looking forward to, um, you know, I, I did this festival. I jumped out during Matoma set in 2018 and I was like, I can't believe this many people are here. Couldn't believe the energy and this, the, the kind of how, the, how big this festival is and like getting a chance to be a part of it. Just being able to kind of be on stage, take a breath and realize where I am is always the most exciting part of like playing these big festivals. Well, welcome back to Chicago. Congratulations on playing Lollapalooza. We're looking forward to your set. And then also tonight here at the Vic Theater. Noah Khan, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you very much for having me.